The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today we have a lined up program that's going to just absolutely walk you through some very serious things when it comes to this end of the year. Of course, as you know, when we look at Medicare, the time limit is gone. So now if you didn't sign up, uh, it's too late. Now, here's the thing. There may be some things that you want to uh, listen to. For We've got our expert here, Shannon Dyson. He's going to help us kind of give you some ideas of what you could do if maybe you forgot to. And that's uh, I can't imagine that happening, but it uh, believe it or not, we know that it has happened. So we're going to kind of give you some insight into that. But first, we have uh, David Rochester is going to walk us through that big question that is so many, and we get it all the time. How do I know it's time for me to retire? Or really, the question that we're going to kind of couch it around is four signs, or signs, you might say. There may be five or six by the time we get through, David. Four signs that says, hey, I am ready to retire. And that's what we're going to work on today. At the end of the program, I have with me Kerry Cheston, and he is literally going to give us some insight into what is risk management? And I tell you, it is going to give you some unbelievable insight into things that you think we're dealing with when it comes to your business or even to your personal life. He's going to help us understand some very specifics when it comes to a topic that we all need to know about, risk management. Now, let me just make sure that you know what's going on. We've, we've got, first and foremost, David Rochester. Do you need to retire? The whole idea, finding kind of that upside, you know, uh, you know, uptick of knowing what you're doing, that you're really ready. So let me welcome Mr. David Rochester, retirement income certified professional. Well, welcome thank you, to the Jim. program. That's sir. a very hey, gracious introduction. Good. I read everything your mom sent me. Oh, good, you know, fantastic. So that's good. She did a good job. She's always taking <laughs> care of. Me. That's right. And Shannon Dyson is with us. Shannon. Good morning, Jim. All right, guys. First and foremost, everybody says, I'm thinking about retirement. I'm thinking about retirement. What should I do about Social Security? David, lean in, help us out. Shannon's going to give us some insight. Social Security is the big topic on everybody's mind when it comes to thinking about retirement. It is, Jim, and I think a lot of people assume that all they've got to do is check a box, find out what they're supposed to get, and move on. But but it can be tricky, and it can be complicated. And quite frankly, that's probably one of the most important decisions people need to make about their retirement because once you make that decision it's pretty much irreversible you're not going to go back and change it later once you've uh, started taking your social security for a while you know and i know just just recently when this question came in again and this person you know i would have never thought the person would have asked the question because they have tremendous insight they've got tons of information but it's the insecurity of knowing, because you said, if you sometimes make this decision, as you said, and we talk about this a lot, a lot of these decisions are not uh, reversible. Well, not only that, they're not 
necessarily mathematically sound. And, and I'll give you the example. <laughs> I hear this a lot. Well, shouldn't I just go ahead and take it as soon as I can? I mean, I can get it as early as 62, 62 right? Yeah. And so because it's – and you may hear things like, well, what if Social Security goes bankrupt? Or what if I, don't, what if I die early? Or what if I don't get my money? Or whatever. And so get caught up in the emotions of it and not really basing it on the facts. And I think that's what's so critical is, is to – to do a full analysis of what the facts are and how you're going to use those dollars and when. And when. And, of course, it has a tendency that you have to look at what the, what the difference is between the two spouses, if they're married, if it's a married couple. Should I take hers? Should I take his? Should I, you know, what, which one should we wait till we get to 70? A lot of moving parts. Shannon, you deal with this all the time with clients. You're, we use, I mean, you're the expert in the firm, and you, we walk you through, and you bring people in, and you said, well, they not only deal with that, the idea of Social Security, but Medicare too? Yeah, exactly. And and when you choose to take Social Security uh, will have an impact on how, when you when you go to sign up for Medicare, how you sign up. Will you be automatically enrolled? Do you actually need to go on and sign up? So all those decisions work together. I hate to say this. I'll, people get overwhelmed with it, David. And I know in your chair, when you're working with clients, you the idea of Social Security and how you push through that Give me some insight into what would you leave with a client to say this is what you need to be thinking about when it comes to Social Security. Well, first thing, I, you, you've got to think about how much you're going to need in retirement. So what's your, what are your expenses going to be? Um, you know, we'd suggest having a budget before you get into retirement and not wait until right before you're ready to pull the trigger and turn your notice and quit. It's planned ahead and, you know, recommended many years ahead because it's not just the, the Social Security income that's important, but your overall income. When we're working, we're accumulating dollars in our 401k or IRAs or investments or whatever the case may be. But at some point, we've got to start taking income. And it's less critical about necessarily the big dollar amount as much as the flow of income, Social Security being one. And it can be very critical when you take that. You mentioned, you know, whether both working spouses or not, but also the age disparity that can happen between spouses. You know, in my case, my wife and I have a pretty good age disparity. When I hit 70, she won't even qualify yet for the first, you know, 62. So we got to be careful about that because that could be very important to what our spouse may receive if they decide to apply as a spousal benefit instead of on their own income. So, yes, it can be tricky and, and complicated. And complicated. Shannon, when we talk about that with people, we walk them through and we kind of help them understand. You talked about Medicare. Making the decision of all the layers that have to go into a person planning retirement, what do you say to the person that you're walking through and say this is kind of the most important part? Well, David's situation uh, happens a lot where you have someone where a spouse is younger, um, you're continuing to work after age 65 uh, with your employer, uh, you have group coverage, and so making that decision of you know, Social Security, making a decision of should I go on to Medicare or not, uh, if you're an employee and you go on to Medicare, well, now will my, what will my spouse do for health insurance? Because she can't stay on the group plan unless unless they COBRA, which is, is a benefit that you could do. But that's an, that is a limited amount of time. And expensive. And expensive. So what do we do there? So all of those decisions, you know, go hand in hand. If you just tuned in, my guest is Shannon Dyson, David Rochester. We're talking about... I guess you'd call them signs that you're ready to retire, or at least you're, 
at least are in the starting blocks to retire. And it's so hard to do because it's complicated. It can get confusing. There's some emotions to it. We're going to talk some more about that. But if you just tuned in, we want to remind you that you can find the show anytime you're looking for an Apple or just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast, of course, and we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. That would be greatly appreciated. Now, let's go back. You talked about knowing Social Security, getting all the options, putting it together. It's complicated. But here's the question, David, that I that I appreciated Swanee asking, and I said, all right, we'll put it together. What is, as far as the importance, is it critical for me to have solid or suitable investments, the most suitable investments when it comes to my retirement portfolio? And I guess I should have asked them, what do they call suitable <laughs> in retirement? But the point is, how critical is my investment portfolio when it comes to retirement? Well, I'm going to say this, Jim, and it's going to sound like a, a legal answer, but it depends, right? But I would say having the, the, the perfect portfolio, the perfect suitable investments is really not your most important decision. It comes back to what we talked about before. It's, it's your claiming for your Social Security and or your pension, uh, as well as choosing the, the date and the timing of when you retire. And the budget. You said the budget. That's exactly right. And that's, that's right up there at the top of the list, too. So you need to know what your expenses are going to be, what your income sources are going to be, and that needs to be planned out very thoroughly. Then gaps, when there's a gap between your income and your expenses, you're going to make that up from other sources. That's going to be your investments, your portfolios, the things that, that you can generate income from to make up that shortfall. Well, I think we've got information that we've pulled from, and David, you've done some research. I know Fox Business has got some stuff out there, and then we've got some other things that we pulled from other resources. And I think the key is that there's so much available information, you just have to be sensitive to what you're looking for. So we've talked about three things that I think are critical. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I, I think really you said creating a budget. I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I guess it's dealing with the idea of withdrawing a certain percentage or a certain amount. Is that how I do it? That's the question that so many talk about. Is is it the way to go about it saying, I'm going to take 4% of my portfolio or something? That's the question that I want you to dive into. Very so good. we'll come back in just a second. If you just tuned in, my guest, Shannon Dyson and David Rochester, we're talking about some signs that you're ready to retire. And we're going to talk about the emotional sign also when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. All right, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker with KWAM, the Mighty 990. My guest is David Rochester, Shannon Dyson. We're talking about signs that you're ready to retire. And, you know, it, the pandemic created an enormous amount of people thinking about retirement. And some were told it's time to retire. Some said, hey, you know what? I think it's just I'm ready to hang her up. And uh, you take the old track shoes off and you hang them up in the closet and say, I'm done. You've been running all your life. Now, here's the fact. Are you ready to retire? So we're talking about that. Number one, do you understand all of the benefits from Social Security. Now, 
If you answer yes to that, then I want you on the radio because you're you're already an expert at it. It's a constant moving target, and we know that. But there are some things, and I think David has helped us understand, and Shannon has helped us understand. Maybe maybe you don't start at 62, or maybe you wait to your full retirement age, or you might even say, no, I'm going to wait to 70. Well, that's some calculations that you have to do. We talk about Medicare. When do you sign up for Medicare? When do you sign up for Part B? We're going to talk about that some more in a minute. David talked about the fact that you've got to look at your portfolio, but it doesn't have to be the perfect portfolio for retirement planning. That's critical. Sometimes we get so caught up into this idea of making it the perfect portfolio, and we're doing that, and, we, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I've got it, but um, maybe if you make a mistake, the mistake can be pretty costly. Well, you want to make sure you might want to get some counsel on that to make sure that you've got a good portfolio for the length of time. Used to many years ago, if you lived to be 80, you were that was old. Now, if you live to be 90, you're still kicking and you're still doing great. And we know that. So you have to plan a little bit longer. But, David, you talked about a budget. Now, guys, budgeting for some people is a snap. No problem whatsoever. They do a great job. They build the budget. They fold it. They put it in an envelope or in a little book. They put it in the sock drawer up in the Chester drawers upstairs. And that's it. But they're good at it. They're very good at budgeting. That's not what we're talking about. No, Jim. In fact, just the opposite. Some people, their idea of budgeting is as soon as they run out of checks, it means they're out of money. <laughs> and so there's there's extremes <laughs> either way. Either there's, way. There's the super detail. There's the very undetailed. But most people are in the middle. And they know how to go through and and determine what their normal expenses are. When you think about retirement, you're going to have expenses like your housing. Um, you have some fixed expenses. Now, I use medical as one since Shannon's going to you know, expand on that some more. You've got medical expenses. Those don't vary a lot as far as your premiums and even maybe your out-of-pocket costs, but your travel might. And there are some areas where if you find out you're coming up short, you may have to make some changes, but some you will not be able to change. You, you may be able to put off a vacation for one year to the next or you know, work with your tax planner about how you make your contributions more loaded in one year than another and so forth. So you've got to look at your fixed expenses and then those variable expenses, which could be the things you want to do that are fun. You know, you mentioned, too, that you don't wait till the day before you retire to start working on your budget. You said literally three, four, five years. Last night or yesterday, I was talking to someone uh, was recently, wasn't yesterday, but recently, and, and they were saying, well, we're about four years or five years out. We're working on our budget now. And I was impressed. I mean, they really were thinking about this is what we want to have for our spend expenses. And, no, that's and great. They, they were working through that's that. That's somebody that's they, thinking ahead. Absolutely. Obviously, the earlier. They got a great planner. I mean, phenomenal. I bet they do. <laughs> the earlier you can plan, the better, but it gives you more time to make changes if you need to. So, you know, if you're running your calculations or working with a with an expert and you determine that you're behind, the further ahead you can start making adjustments, the better you can fill that gap so that you can feel more confident in retirement. You may need to increase your contributions to your 401k. Um, you know, one thing I hear people all the time say is, well, I'm, I'm maximizing my 401k. And when you ask them how much they're putting in, well, I'm, I'm putting in what my employer matches. Well, that's not the maximum. Mm. There, that's generally a much smaller number than what you could put in. So there's, there's for most instances, plenty of room for improvement if you're given enough time to make those adjustments. That's a great point. That's uh, David Rochester and Shannon Dyson. We're talking with them about some signs that you're ready to retire. If you want to talk to either one of these guys, 901-757-5757. Shannon, 
one of the biggest costs, and, and David mentioned it, kind of the idea behind in your developing a budget, health care costs, you see it all the time. Yeah, one of the things, if, if you are retiring uh, before Medicare eligibility, um, you have to get your health insurance through someone other than an employer because you're retiring. And I think understanding and knowing uh, what contribution your employer is actually making uh, to your health plan uh, becomes an eye-opener when you start looking at rates in the individual health insurance market. Uh, and one thing that you need to know is that individual health insurance is based on your age, your zip code, uh, but one of the main ingredients is your income for the year. And so you're projecting your income for the year, and that determines what rate you pay for individual health insurance. Um, and that, that becomes a, a, a big deal, especially it doesn't matter about your assets. You could have you could be very, uh, very well off with assets. Um, and so if you're retiring and your income is going to drop, you may be pleasantly surprised at what your insurance premium would be. Uh, it just depends. Okay, so you got to do some planning there. Absolutely. Thinking through it, and there's a lot of it. So we're going to talk with you in a few minutes about what happens. It's now that we know that Medicare enrollment is over. What's, what are we going to do? And I want to get into some detail because that's part of that planning process that you're talking about. How do you put all that together? So we'll be with you in a second. But, David, I, I look at this thing when we talk about the, the dollars. We actually mentioned this and kind of the idea behind I've got a certain pool of number of dollars. I've put it together. I've spent a lifetime accumulating. Now I'm going to spend the rest of my life spending. All right. Do I go to my little bucket here and I pull out – X number of dollars a year, or do I go to my bucket and pull out a percentage of the dollars on a yearly basis? You know, here we go. It depends, Jim. But here's what I would say. But you is, know what? That this depends thing yeah, is I political. Yeah. It's depending on, yeah, okay, go ahead. I'm so, so historically, what, what studies have shown, and just general rule of thumb is, is that if you, when you retired, started taking 4% of your prior years in balance, you should have enough money. And if you just do the have sub- enough money, if you're managing your budget, correct? Okay, correct. If you got your budget, Thank yeah. I take I'm that assuming in, that part's I, already been established. Yeah, we've already covered right. that. So budget's there. You're going to live by your budget. You can take your dollars. You say, "This is my budget. I can take four percent, and I can do that." Right okay. now, there's there's risk in that. What I mean by that is, if you're taking four percent, well, just take a hundred percent divided by four. That's twenty five years. So you retire at sixty five. You're good to ninety if you didn't make any returns. If you had a, a portfolio that had some volatility, it could be down some years. If you're, and you're still taking four, and you're still taking your prior dollars based on four percent, right? You could be taking it out of a, a, a number that has gone down. So now you could you could see where you could get behind. It, it could snowball on you. So I think you've got to be prepared to be flexible with that. And that's why I mentioned earlier there's some variable expenses and other things you can control. Don't get so set on four percent and say that's my number. It may need to be different and. You know, studies have shown with interest rates being low, as they have been for a while, it may need to be a lower percentage that you start with. great advice. Great advice, David. All right, here's the question I'm asking both of you, because it's the one on the table that nobody talks about, the emotional side of retiring. Yeah, you know, we look forward to it. We we get anxious about our retirement date, the day we get to walk in and say, here's my notice, been great, hand me the gold watch, I'm ready to leave. But here's the other side of that. If you think about it, for most people, depending on when you entered the workforce, you could have worked 30, 40 years in the workplace, 40 hours per week. I'm not going to do the math in my head, but that's a lot of hours worked. 
Now you're retired, and you could be retired, we said, 25, 30, 35 years after you retire. What are you going to fill that time with? Have you planned out what you're going to do? And what I've seen is, is those people who have, who have thought ahead and they're planning what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, where they're going to do it, they're going to be much happier entering, entering in retirement with less anxiety than people who have not, who have really just looked at an age or a date when they want to retire. So it's a big emotional decision. Again, the earlier you can start planning for that and, and dreaming about that, the better. You know, and I think that I like the fact that you've done that. You've talked with people. I do that. We spend a lot of time. Shannon, what do you see from your side? I mean, it's a, it's a big decision. It's an emotional thing. I'm emotional thinking about being able to retire at, at my age. I would, that would be, that would be I nice. I hear you. I mean, that really would be nice. Yeah. Uh, no, when, when, I'll help you get through I that. really appreciate that. When we when we talk with uh, people, we're, we're typically uh, revolving around the, the Medicare, the health care decision, and, and what is the best option for them. Um, and what we see time and time again is when people are prepared uh, they're confident. They know that they know that, okay, we're, we're good. We're okay because we've planned for it. We know what our expenses are going to be, and, and they're confident. And Shannon, that, can I ask a question real quick? I know in my case, I see this. Do you see this? People center their retirement date around when they qualify for Medicare. Absolutely. Happens all the time. Yeah. And, and then more, more and more uh, today, uh, we're seeing people continue to work past age 65. And so, um, you know, I would say that 50% of the time when people are coming in to talk about Medicare and Medicare supplements, um, they're 68, 69, 70 years old. And it's a, it's just a different, a different way to enroll into Medicare at that point. Well, guys, you've done a great job helping us look for these signs, signs that you're ready to retire from the idea of a budget to having your portfolio put together correctly, knowing that it's not all about just making the numbers work. It's literally doing a plan and having an idea of what you're looking for and having the emotional side of that, that retirement put together. That's key, and that's so important, guys. Thank you so much. Coming up, when we come back, we're going to talk with Shannon, and it's about you missed the Medicare enrollment period. Oops. Nah, not so bad. There's some options. we got some things we'll talk about. So stay with us because we are going to continue. Also, Carrie Cheston is going to talk about risk management. You don't want to miss that. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. My guest is Shannon Dyson. David Rochester has uh, slipped out, and he we'll try to get him back in before the show's over. But the bottom line is, you know, it, whether you like it or not, you're not going to be listening to the commercials that you've been listening since back in, seemed like, <laughs> literally it seemed like I started listening to these commercials back. I pretty much can do them blindfolded, the same ones every night over and over. Uh, I, you know, I watch television. Fortunately, my wife is so gracious, she records it, and therefore I can breeze through it. That's, is that terrible? No, I think that's fine. That's did, a, did you know there were over 1 billion Medicare Advantage commercials? One billion. I'm just kidding. I, I made that up. <laughs> I felt like that was probably Fact close. Check that. Fact. That sounds right. It no, does. there's not. There's couldn't be one. They may run them a billion. There's only five. That's true. Yeah, that's only true. Five. But also, you're not going to be getting any more mail. You're, you know, there's been so much mail coming at you. So, 
Here we're talking about Medicare. You were thinking about changing, and you didn't. Here's the deal. If you were not thinking about changing, no problem. You're just going to have to pay your premiums for next year. But if you were going to change and you knew you needed to change, you were not satisfied with what you had, you've missed the open enrollment. Is there an option? My guest, Shannon Dyson. Shannon? Do we have an option? Yeah, there, there you do have options. I think what you said is, is very important. We, we see all the commercials, and it makes it seem like there is something that you have to do. Uh, so if you were sitting here listening today and you said, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see any of those commercials. I didn't check my zip code. I, I don't watch TV. I have no idea what's <laughs> going on. Uh, and you're happy with the, the Medicare prescription Part D coverage that you have or the Medicare Advantage plan that you have. You're fine. Nothing changes. It's going to roll through to next year. You'll continue paying the premium. Um, you didn't have to do anything. Uh, I think what we're going to talk about today and, and hopefully be able to help is you did want to make a change, uh, and for whatever reason, uh, you did not get around to it, and now you are stuck with or you feel like you're stuck with uh, the plan that you had last year, and maybe you're not happy with the coverage that you have. All right. So, you know, you're allowed to change each year between, obviously, November the 15th, December the 7th. You missed it. Yep. Okay. Now, you were you kept watching. You kept thinking, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You, you did what I graduated college majoring in, procrastination, and I did a good job at that, and I consistently, you know, procrastinated, and I didn't do it. All right. Yep. So what happens if I miss the deadline? Yeah, I could see myself doing that as well. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> so you were right along with me. Took yeah, the same professors. Huh? Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that I don't, but I could. <laughs> I could see that happening. Uh, you do have options if you miss the deadline. Uh, one of the the first things that you have is if you if you miss the the deadline and you have a Medicare Advantage plan today. Um, two years ago, uh, they instituted a new open enrollment period for people with Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, that period runs from January 1st through March 31st. So maybe we weren't exactly correct when we said the Medicare Advantage commercials will, will stop because they could be going on. Uh, because if you, do ha if you have a, a Medicare Advantage plan, they call it Part C. Uh, sometimes with Medicare, you'll hear it referred to that. Um, you can actually, from January 1st through March 31st, you can change your Medicare Advantage plan. Um, or you can drop your Medicare Advantage plan and go back to regular Medicare and select a new prescription Part D. Even plan. during this period, even though this past December the seventh, yep, you now can look at it and say, "I can do this." You can make, you can still make a change if you already have a Medicare Advantage plan. If you do not have a Medicare Advantage plan today, you cannot make any changes to anything that you have with prescriptions or anything like that. So it's a little bit of a window uh, for people that uh, don't like the Medicare Advantage plan Advantage plan they have to make that change. So bottom line, what you're saying, before you switch or disenroll, do some research. You, you need to know. And, and the reason really, if you're looking at um, one of the reasons why you might make a change, if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, most Medicare Advantage plans have both medical and prescription drugs as a part of, the, of their program. So it's kind of like an all-in-one uh, type of, of health benefit plan. If your prescriptions are not covered in your Medicare Advantage plan or you feel like you're paying too much for them, you can actually drop your Medicare Advantage plan altogether and just have original Medicare, which is A and B. And by dropping your Medicare Advantage plan that had prescription coverage, you can then pick up a standalone Part D prescription plan, even though we're outside of the open enrollment period. 
Um, of course, the, the problem with that is, well, now I don't have medical coverage. I only have original Medicare, Medicare. which is going to leave me with some high deductibles and some coinsurance. But if prescriptions are the biggest deal to you, it might be worth doing uh, if you can get a better deal on your prescriptions. You know, I hate to say this. You do a great job of explaining it. It just reminds me. How Why do you compli- hate to say well, that? Because it had, reminds me of how complicated <laughs> it is. I mean, you do, and it is complicated. Now, I'm going to introduce a third part here, and it's one of those things where you think about it. You got the open enrollment period, and now all of a sudden, there's a thing called the special <laughs> special enrollment <laughs> period. Yeah, you hear me? The special enrollment period. Now I got to go. Okay, am I qualified for so special enrollment period? So special enrollment. There's a there's a, several different types of special enrollment periods. So if you missed the the deadline, the December seventh deadline. Uh, some special enrollment periods exist. Uh, if you ha- if you move out of the area, so if you if you leave, for, if you move, that's that move a from qualifying where you are, area. your current residence. Absolutely, if you move, um, gaining the ability to enroll in new health insurance coverage. If you were on Medicaid uh, and you are no longer eligible for Medicaid, that's another uh, instance where you can actually go in and sign up for uh, a new prescription Part D plan. Um, med- the Medicare plan that you have. Uh, changes uh, dramatically or goes away. There are some Medicare Advantage plans that will leave certain regions or leave zip codes. If your plan changes or goes away, that opens up another special uh, enrollment period for you. So if the open enrollment period is over, mm-hmm. there you just need to pay attention. Do the research, as you said, before you switch or before you disenroll, think about it. You know, give you a call, 901-757-5757. What about this idea behind Medigap? Policies. Yeah, Medi- I mean, a lot of people ask questions about Medigap. Medigap, Medicare supplement, same same right. thing. Um, the first one that I mentioned, where um, if you're a, a in a position where you have a Medicare Advantage plan and you drop that completely and go back to medic original Medicare A and B, and you pick up a standalone Part D prescription plan, um, at that point you could actually go into the market and search for Medicare supplements. One of the things that separates Medicare supplements from anything else that we're talking about today uh, is there is you can always change Medicare supplements any time of the year. There's not necessarily an open enrollment period for Medicare supplements. That's offered by an insurance company. Offered by an insurance company, and it supplements Medicare. So A and B, like we mentioned before, have high deductibles, coinsurance. Medicare supplements will come in and take care of those or pay those deductibles and coinsurance. But uh, now, Shannon, if I go in and I want to... Re- change my Medicare supplement plan and I have a pre-existing condition, is that going to affect me for that? Or can I do that? Or or if I've got a change in my medical history? Yeah, that's, that's the, the one thing that, that is, uh, can be an issue uh, with Medicare supplements. Um, when you first join Medicare, uh, Medicare A and Medicare B, you have a, an open enrollment guarantee issue enrollment into Medicare supplements. No health questions asked Uh, They don't ask questions. You don't have to say anything. You can get a a policy guaranteed any time after that. So the situation that we just mentioned, you missed the deadline for Part D. You dropped your Medicare Advantage plan. You picked up a prescription Part D. Now you need something for medical. You're going to have to medically qualify for a supplement right now uh, if you're going through that process. You do not have to qualify for that. Right. In your initial in your initial enrollment period, when you first turn sixty five, you, you don't, don't have to medically qualify. If you still work after the age of sixty five, and then you get Part B of Medicare later, once you retire, you don't have to medically qualify. Um, the only time you have to qualify for Medicare supplements is if you ever if you have a supplement today and you want to change, 
you have to medically qualify. All right. A lot of people get confused if I'm buying a medical supplement, Medicare supplement, and Medicare open enrollment. Mm-hmm. They're not the same. Not the same uh, at all. Explain no. the difference because I think some people do. Get, I know they do. Yeah. Confused, confused We've already talked that. about initial open enrollment. We've talked about special I open enrollment. It. We've talked about all these different enrollment periods. And so, yeah, it, it is confusing. I think with, with, a, with a Medicare supplement, um, there is no, the only enrollment period for a Medicare supplement is when you first get Part B of Medicare. That's really the only distinction with a Medicare supplement. And the distinction is it gives you guarantee uh, rights into a Medicare supplement. Any other time that you want to pick up a supplement, you would have to answer health questions in order to get one. Uh, and that's the big difference between Medicare Advantage and Medicare supplements. You can always move into a Medicare Advantage around the open enrollment period. No health questions. You can always get one. Uh, it's just the Medicare supplement that it, that is different. So going back to what David was talking about, and David's come back in the studio. David, when you talk about planning, I mean, just to hear him talk about all this, and the idea behind I'm going to be losing my group coverage and, you know, can I retire? Well, I got to put all this together. That's right. And you can see how intricate that could be. And it, it's got to be taken into consideration, Jim. You know, as, as I asked earlier, a lot of times people just assume they're going to retire at 65 because that's when they go on Medicare. But there could be some math that suggests earlier or later exactly specifically may be better and I, I just I feel like there's so many moving parts that it, it gets confusing and yet I'm gonna to retire tomorrow I'm retiring the first of January I not but I have I done the work and this is what you're trying to yeah and, and that's why it does take it does take planning uh, to make sure that you are making the right decisions and to know because every election period that we just mentioned they all have specific time horizons with them. So you just mentioned somebody's working past age 65, uh, they decide to retire. Well, you've got eight months at that point as a special enrollment period, which is far different from your initial enrollment period. So there's a lot of different types and and, and time horizons that you need to be aware of. Well, 901-757-5757. Write your questions down. Give these guys a call. A lot of a lot of information, guys. A lot of it. Thank you so much. When we come back, we're going to dive into the idea of what is risk management. Kerry Chester, the certified risk manager, is with us. He's going to drive us through the maze of literally understanding what is risk management. We'll be back in just a second. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Welcome back. We're turning the page. We're going to talk about risk management and why is it so important for us to understand all the intricacies when it comes to managing risk. I mean, just the (laughs) driving in the city of Memphis, I have determined it's risk. I mean, risk oriented. And so I'm learning to manage that. I actually get up earlier. I'm driving when there's nobody on the road. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I, you know, but the bottom line is there's a lot of risk around us. And so I'm very pleased to have with us Kerry Cheston. He is a certified risk manager. Kerry, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. All right. Let me start with this, because I think when I say risk management, I have this idea of what I perceive. And I'm sure everybody listening is thinking, OK, what's this risk management? Is this so defined for us? Give us a working number here, a thought that we can say this is risk management. 
Uh, well, Jim, uh, for me, biz- business risk management uh, brings all aspects of a business together, operations, finance, human resources, executive leadership. Uh, the main goal is just to minimize loss at the lowest cost. So when you talk about that from a business standpoint, you're looking at not only you talking about operations, finance, human resources, executive lead, all those things when you talk about lowering the, the risk of cost. I mean, you're really looking at, you know, the minimized loss and, and lower the cost, the possibility. Is that something that every business owner leans into and spends a time dealing with risk management? Or is it something that you kind of have to say, are you aware? Um, yeah, certainly. Um, I see more more businesses more in tune with that. Um, you know, I see nowadays just a lot of, of risks that businesses um, are just not aware of, to be honest with you. Well, let's talk about that. When you say not aware of, has COVID, when we look back over the last 20 months, you know, which has been 20, 23 months now, just devastating to us as a community and in the society, economically to some degrees, we're getting through it. But what has that done as far as, has that impacted the insurance industry and the businesses that you talk to? Oh, a- absolutely. Um, I-, I think the, over the last couple of years, you know, obviously the pandemic coronavirus has, has been the the most uh, major, you know, the, the thing that's impacted uh, our insurance or risk management the most, um, both in property, work comp claims, general liability. Um, in addition, you know, we're hearing about all these wildfires, uh, record hurricane seasons, major impacts on the property casualty uh, realm. So when you talk about the property casualty industry, they're having to manage their risk. And so what are they doing from an industry standpoint to assure that they're going to be in business five years from now? Well, you know, it goes deeper than just rate increases. We are seeing that, um, you know, companies are reassessing their underwriting positions, their closely managing their capacity. What that means is one company doesn't want to insure a lot of property in one specific area that could be uh, have a major risk of a hurricane um, or have a lot of properties insured in San Francisco where there could be major wildfire issues. So they're reassessing their uh, capacity deployment and they're sharing those risks over a lo- large number of insurers to help m- uh, minimize each insurer's uh, uh, risk. So can we as consumers, business owners and individuals, do? are you telling us that we need to kind of anticipate that we're going to see a risk increase, I mean, you know, insurance increase because of what's going on with COVID and all the other things? You said wildfires, hurricanes, those things? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're seeing double-digit rate increases um, in, in a lot of capacity. Double-digit. Absolutely. Property, work <laughs> You know, you think about it, guys. I mean, bottom line, you know, uh, but I understand. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of lot of catastrophes, if you might say. Absolutely. So, so what you're saying, double digit. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's my thought. Well, yeah. I mean, according to a November 2021 report in the insurance uh, journal, the insurance market is set to set to exceed seven trillion dollars. Excuse me, trillion with a T in insurance premiums. That's the first time ever in the history of, uh, you know, insurance. And uh, it's much earlier than expected. Um, you know, in, in real numbers, we're seeing three and a half to five percent overall in the next uh, each year in the next three years. Let me ask you this. We talked about COVID, but um, we've seen the problem of riots. We've seen mm-hmm. those. That's a big issue. Absolutely. Um, 
I know I know of some business owners that had their businesses in some cities that they lived in. I, the friends of mine that um, either had their business or somebody that they knew had their business vandalized. How does an insurance company manage that risk? And what do does, if, if I'm just living in a normal Germantown, Memphis, Tennessee, downtown, whatever, and there's a riot, am I covered, or do I have to? What do I have to do to make sure I'm covered? Yeah, typically you are covered. Uh, civil unrest is typically covered in in most policies, but it, you know it's important to review to make sure you don't have certain exclusions. Uh, TRIA is what's called a terrorism uh, coverage. That came about after 9-11. Uh, by law, you have to either exclude or, or include TRIA. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. They just sign documents excluding their coverage. Now, is TRIA, I mean, you say include or exclude. Let's say, is that like, a, like you know, tor- uh, not tornado, an earthquake insurance? Is no. That, is that like a excluded or included? Well, earthquake is almost always excluded. excluded. You have to specifically add earthquake coverage. So yes. I, you know, I shouldn't exclude it. Yeah, that's a major. That's a major reason a lot of some insurers don't like to insure in Memphis is because of the earthquake risk. That but makes uh, sense. but TRIA is is terrorism, but it's not just terrorism in the sense of a bombing or planes running into buildings. Uh, it could be a number of different things, domestic terrorism. But if a government uh, agency declares an attack, a terrorism, a riot, terrorism, well, then that could fall, put you in a whole different class of uh, claim. And if you do not have terrorism coverage, you could have some issues. So making sure that you know what you have is critical. Now, David, you do a lot of work with a lot of business owners. Yes, we talked about this, and this is David Rochester again. David, let me ask you this. You talk to these business owners. Do you get a sense that they're paying attention? I mean, just about what I mean, what Kerry's talking about, or is it kind of like, I think I've got it? I would say it's the latter, Jim. I think I've got it. They, they will make the assumption that uh, perhaps that their policy is automatically covering something. It, it's easy to overlook. I mean, you read well, through an insurance contract. it's easy to take it granted, too. I yeah. mean, you know, you think you got it, but... But go ahead. I, I, I think they're overlooking most of it, and I do think that's the reason that they work with somebody that's very thorough in their knowledge, um, asking questions, not just looking at making a sale or a contract, but asking open-ended questions to get that business owner or that decision maker, maybe HR director, thinking about all these different issues and what may need to be brought to bear for the business, and then talking to somebody about how to resolve it. You know, Kerry, that's another question. In today's world, with diversity training is so critical and so important to any business owner today, what do you tell them from a risk management side of how to manage that side of their business, the diversity and managing the the different people? You know, everybody's different. So it maybe they didn't think about that 10, 15 years ago. Today, it has to be on their forefront. What do you say to them as a risk manager? Well, yeah, you have to have a, a, a great HR person to manage that risk. You have to have training. Diversity training is, is just uh, commonplace nowadays, or it should be. Um, you have to uh, make sure that your employees are, are taking these training courses. Uh, on an insurance uh, side, you need to have EPLI, which is Employer Practices Liability Insurance. That protects you from lawsuits uh, due to either wrongful termination, labor, discrimination, uh, 
any a number unsafe working conditions now with COVID. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, any lawsuit that you face that's very common uh, in the workplace. Uh, that that covers you. But a lot of people think that's included in their business owner policy. If it is, it may only be $10,000. That's not going to cover a, one consultation with a, an attorney. So you really need to have a standalone EPLI, Employer Practices Liability Insurance, with at least a million dollars, in my opinion. Well, 901-757-5757 if you want to talk to Kerry Cheston. Kerry, let me ask you this. Three most important thoughts that a business owner or just an individual when it comes to risk management? Wow. Okay. Um, three. So, you know, review your limits. Make sure they're accurate. Um, you know, we're seeing, obviously, record inflation numbers, increased costs of building materials. So if you if you insured a building five years ago to replace that building nowadays, it may be much, much higher. So is that million-dollar building limit going to rebuild your building that it was set five years ago or ten years ago? It may cost a million and a half to rebuild. So you need to review your limits. Um, review your exposures. Um, you know, make sure your sales numbers and work comp numbers are accurate. You know, we're seeing uh, labor shortages, uh, payrolls decreasing. Are you paying too much on your work comp because they're using old payroll numbers? Uh, all these are things that you need to review um, at, annual, annually with your uh, current agent. What else? What else? Just quickly, we've got um, about 25 seconds. As you mentioned, in, ensure your employees are properly trained, that you're implementing diversity, promote safety in the workplace. Um, you know, just all these are things that are going to make an impact. And knee, you need to be a certified risk manager. <laughs> to do it, it helps. It, it helps. Like you got to document a lot, too. you got to document a ton. I mean, guys, thank you. Kerry, thank you so much. You bring it to this table to help us understand it. Shannon, you gave us tremendous insight into Medicare. It's not too late. You got, I said tremendous insight. I actually thought that maybe he did explain it. All I am is still confused. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> David helped us understand you can retire, and that's so, so important. If you want to talk to these guys, call them at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to leave us a review. We definitely appreciate that. Next week, Scott Jordan, Seven Principles of Long-Term Investing for 2022. Also, I'm privileged to have with me Angel Street Memphis, Jill Dyson, and Ruth Abigail Smith. What's going on with the girls? You don't want to miss it. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the Mighty 990. If you have questions and you would like them to be answered on the program, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. I want to thank you so much for listening. We certainly appreciate it. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.